Look at you sporting the tank top and the gold chain. You know, after the beatboxing, man. Rep- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nice. Yeah. You know, oh, let me just get my, my bottle of water really quick. Huh? You got it, dude. Hello, hello. Welcome to another podcast here at iAnimate. I'm your host, Larry Vasquez. And with me again is Rick Arroyo. How you doing, Rick? Doing really good. How you doing, Larry? Awesome, man. You chilly right now? Uh, you know what? The weather here in Montreal is not too bad, but uh, <laughs> it's going good. It's going really good. Rick's visiting his uh, his hometown here up in Montreal. So a little bit different weather here than in California, right? Uh, it, it's Yeah, the weather is definitely different and uh, already missed the weather, <laughs> the warm weather. But it, honestly, it's been a fantastic, uh, fantastic week for, for us. Right on. Now, you've been up there visiting some family and stuff, but why don't you give our audience a little bit of a sneak as to why you additionally why you went up there well the the main uh, the main reason that i'm here in montreal was to present learn to uh, some of our studio friends here in montreal i visited a, a bunch of uh, directors animation directors and animation leads and uh just showed them project learn which is our you know like our little game level that we're going to be giving to our students so students will be able to create their animations put their animations in game and play their animations and test it out. So it's really part of that whole learning process with that we have at uh, iAnimate Games. So it's, it's, it's honestly, uh, it was an amazing week. We, we, we really got everyone's attention and the directors were all like really extremely impressed. So it Very was fantastic. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I got to say that, let me just say to everyone who like was part of uh, Project Learn and, and uh, all our, you know, our, our riggers and modelers uh, that created Soul Collector and Crea, it was extremely well received. Uh, like, uh, you know, we're going to most likely be letting uh, some of these directors test out um, the characters and we're going to let them also, uh, you know, have uh, project learn and, and test it out as well. That's how, how impressed they were. They literally just asked, can we have it and can we try it out? Awesome. So, yeah, it was, it was, it was a fantastic week. Very cool. It's always great to hear feedback from people that are kind of outside of our circle, I, I mean, i.e. the instructors or students. When you're getting that kind of feedback from other professionals, I think that really kind of says something because they're kind of they're biased in that regards because they have no vested interest, so to speak. And exactly. so I, th- I think when you get that feedback, you're, you're really on to something here. Yeah, and they did not know what I was going to show them. It was going to be, you know, an hour meeting, and most of those hours became like two hours meetings, just talking about what we're showing to students and about our programs, about our feature program, about our our rigging uh, program, and of course the game program was was the the main focus for them. They were extremely impressed, and like I said, it was it was an amazing week. <laughs> Very cool. Well, we look forward to seeing how uh, things kind of <clears throat> continue to pan out with their interests and what we continue to keep pushing and doing here. So I'm glad you're able to make that trip and and uh, get in front of those people. Yeah, it was great. We'll, we'll looks like we're gonna have to be uh, coming back. Uh, we still have more people that want to see more of it. So <laughs> planning to come back and uh, you know, right after our iAnimate GDC event. Okay, I uh, should be coming back to Montreal and, and uh, showing uh, you know our progress with with learn to uh, some of the studios. All right. Speaking of GDC, we've got our guest tonight, Michael Jungbluth. He's a senior animator at Zinimax Online Studios. He's shipped such games as Call of Duty, Lord of the Rings, Singularity. And so I think we're going to have a really cool podcast with this guy here. He's heading up the animation boot camp, correct, over at GDC? 
That's correct. It's it's going to be the first year of the animation boot camp at GDC. GDC is a huge event. You know, animation's been making a big push, and uh, he's starting that up, and it's going to be an awesome podcast. Cool. All right. Well, let's pull him in. Hi, Mike. How are you? Hi. Very good. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. Right. Hey, oh, Mike. Yeah, no how problem. you doing? Good. How are you guys doing? Really awesome. well. Really All well. Right. Really appreciate you joining us on this podcast. Oh, my pleasure. We like talking about animation, and I obviously you do too, so it uh, should be a, a fun show here, but we do appreciate your time. Yeah, no problem. First things first. I love your LinkedIn picture. Oh, right on. <laughs> With the bear, <laughs> bear high five. I love it. Yeah, my wife does taxidermy, so that was uh, that was one of her pieces, and I was like, it looks like he's going to high five. I have to do this. <laughs> it's awesome. Very cool. Have you had a chance to meet Rick yet? Uh, no, just through email. Okay. Through email. We haven't met yet, but we're going to try to work something out at, at GDC, which we'll, we'll come to. Yeah, we definitely want to talk about that. Tell you what, let's uh, jump into it. What's what's your background? How'd you get into animation? Uh, yeah, so I went to school for uh, for all two D traditional stuff. This is a little school in Pennsylvania, nobody's ever heard of, but really great professors. After graduating throughout school, I was like, I hate computer stuff because it's it's evil and it steals steals the art away from the artist, right? And then I graduated and realized, all right, well, I got to learn it because that's pretty much where the majority of the jobs are. So. Uh, I moved out to L.A. with a buddy who was working out there, and uh, he, he showed me the ropes. And uh, I got, got my first gig working on a PSP game at this little startup studio. I was out in L.A. for about a year and wasn't really, wasn't really my style. I enjoy a little bit more of the countryside. So I moved to Austin, worked down there for a year on a, on a couple games. Moved up to then Raven Software, worked on uh, Wolfenstein, Singularity, and, and Call of Duty for uh, a couple years. Um, Went out to Monolith for about a year and a half, worked out there on some Lord of the Rings stuff, and, and now I'm at um, ZeniMax working on Elder Scrolls Online. Uh, you're working on what at ZeniMax? Elder Scrolls Online. Okay, very cool. Awesome, awesome stuff. What's been one of your favorite games that you've worked on so far? Oh, uh, I think my favorite so far uh, that's released has been uh, Singularity. That was the first game I worked on that wasn't a, a property that belonged to somebody else, right? It was it was our chance to, to make a game that was completely unique to us to to the team and uh the challenges that come with that but then the excitement that comes from that as well getting to kind of make your own your own mark on characters as opposed to just telling the story with somebody else's which uh which was pretty exciting so so what were some of the things that you found most challenging in making that game that was kind of like you said your own uh it was i think it was trying to focus on on like one direction you know when i worked on like the hulk game or something it was pretty pretty easy to go, oh, I know what the Hulk should do. And then it's you've, you've already got a direction to run in. But with a lot of this stuff on, on Singularity, we're getting these monsters that uh, you haven't really seen before. And you can go, well, it kind of looks like this, so I can kind of start down that direction or, or not and just do something entirely different. So trying to say, hey, this is, this is cool. Let me, let me choose one direction and go on it as opposed to getting distracted by doing a million different other things. <laughs> so basically you, on this one here, the fun part of it was that you had some freedom, but that also made it very difficult because now it's like, which direction do I take, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it goes from like lots of restrictions on all these games that, that have a bunch of different uh, stakeholders in it to now it's just us and you've got no restraint and you, you know, no constraints. And you're like, all right, well... You know, feast or famine. <laughs> <laughs> now, what was some of your uh, big achievements for that game that you felt like you walked away from it? It was that was awesome. 
Um, there was uh, one of the characters in there. Uh, it's this creature called the Revert, and uh, for a long time they weren't really sure what to do with do with it as a creature. They were like, "Well, it's kind of like a zombie mutant, but we don't want it to just be a zombie." It was kind of all over the map, and they weren't really sure what to do with it. So my idea was to to treat it more like it was a uh, like this wounded animal, right? Where when you first see it, you kind of go, "Oh," and and you feel bad because it's it's in pain, and and elicits that that emotional response of like, "I should I should try and help it." But then when you get near it and it lashes out at you, you know, you get that that emotional contrast where all of a sudden, oh, crap, like now you're freaked out because there's this thing that's wild that you you realize you don't have any control of. But you've made yourself vulnerable as well <laughs> in, in how you approached it. Right. So I, I really liked that idea and uh, kind of got to, to run with that. And uh, I that was the thing that I was most proud of by the end of that. What are some of your involvements as being a senior animator? I was talking with. Uh, Rick here. I'm. I don't have as much on the games background right now. I've done mostly of the feature workshops that I animate. But having talked with Rick, I'm kind of starting to get an understanding of how some of that kind of stuff works. And one of the things I was talking with Rick about is just that balance between animation and design. What was your involvement with the design process with the game Singularity versus being an animator? Um, Singularity was kind of a good one because that was kind of the the first game where. I started to feel pretty comfortable with the the role of like being an animator, right? Like by that by that point, like I was like, okay, I, I kind of understand the constraints that come with uh, game animation, and uh, I'm I'm pretty comfortable within working those within those constraints. And it was kind of that moment where I said, all right, well, I know I want to advance and and start to take on more of a senior role, and uh, looking at at the space for like where a senior animator kind of goes, it seemed like for most places there were two tracks as, as a senior animator. There was the really technical guys that had been with the company for like 15 years or more. And they really understood the engine and they really understood the tech that went underneath how to, to implement the animations best into the game. And then there were just those animators that were like the best. They, they could animate whatever was given to them. And, uh, I'm not really very technical. And while I always strive to be the best animator, uh, the reality is like there's always going to be somebody that can can animate you under the table wherever you're at, right? <laughs> so I said realistically, like where I where I kind of see this this area that seems to be missing a lot in in the studios I've been at is that overlap between game design and, and the animation, right? And uh, I got really interested in starting with Singularity was how as an animator can I help to influence the design to to understand the design and Think of how the, the character operates, not just within the animation, but within the gameplay mechanics as well, right? And uh, so it, it kind of started with the revert there of me going, okay, uh, I know I want it to be a wounded animal, but beyond just the visuals, how, how do I convey that, that wounded animal within the, the way you interact with it in the game and the way you uh, engage with it, both in combat, out of combat, and, and whatever? And from there, now that's kind of where I've found my role in most of the studios I've worked at since is uh, I really, I love game design and there are days that I'm like, you know, I'll quit animation. I'm just going to do game design. <laughs> and then I realized like the, the, I love the high concept of, of game design, like the conceptual side of it, but the day to day work of punching numbers into the editor or animating, like animating is always going to win. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, so I, I try to straddle this, this fun line of like, I'm going to animate it, but, Anytime I can get involved in a design discussion, um, be it content or narrative or gameplay or combat or locomotion or any of that stuff, like systems, I, I try to throw myself way into it because I think as an animator, we're already thinking of how to balance uh, 
the, the reality and the physicality of something with the personality of something. Right. And, uh, and, and for me, like that's, that's right where game design and animation meet. So. No, that's very cool. Cause having talked with Rick here, I was asking him, I said, do all game designers have an animation background? He was like, no. So you can see where that disconnect could happen from a game designer standpoint, not knowing animation, how that, some of that stuff works actually in the game. Whereas, like you're saying, from your vantage point, you've kind of got the best of both where you can kind of work in both of the areas. And I can see where that would be very valuable. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. And, and that was uh, that was kind of the my big thing for, for wanting to, to make this boot camp a reality is because I, I think a lot of animators still view uh, game design and the role of the player in the game as uh, more than a constraint. Like they're almost a little combative towards it because you're having to, to surrender a bit of your control in, in the creation in a way with games that you don't, you don't have to in like cinematics or, or film and stuff because you get to kind of uh, drive that performance entirely. But with games, like you are giving up some of that performance to the designers and the programmers and, and to the player. And uh, instead of looking at that as a constraint, I look at it more like this is exciting. Like, now we're not just focusing on my performance. I'm focusing on the conversation that's happening between the uh, developers and the players. Mm. We've kind of got two segues here. I, we definitely want to touch upon the boot camp that you're talking about for GDC. But before I think we get into that, let's jump into a little bit of the article I think that you'd written on uh, Gamasutra. Mm -hmm. uh, because that's kind of dealing with what we're talking about right now as far as the animation portion of it. Because the articles were basically talking about the 12 principles of animation, but how they primarily deal with games. Mm -hmm. um, can you talk a little bit about some of the, the article that you wrote on there? Yeah. So uh, my, my thinking there was uh, I knew I wanted to learn more about game design. Right. Um, and as I started to look, look into it and start to talk to designers and, and read about design and, and, and books and, and things like that, I started to realize that a lot of the, a lot of the principles that they were talking about in game design, I already understood, not with the same names, but in concept. And once I started thinking about it, I realized, oh, wow, not just animation principles, but a lot of artistic principles can, can be applied to design. So I, I started with the animation principles because obviously those were the ones that I know best and inform me the most in, in uh, how I already interact with the game and started thinking, okay, what if, what does the anticipation mean to you know, obviously, it's easy to see what it means to, uh, like, combat design, right? In, in, like, enemies and bosses and stuff. Oh, I know what anticipation means. It means, you know, I want to be able to see what they're going to do so I have time to understand as a player and react to it. But what does the anticipation mean in level design, right? Um, I was like, that, I bet that means something. And then you go, oh, it, it kind of does mean something because, you know, you want to, you know, and the whole level is, is kind of anticipating the, you know, the, the arc of, of what's going to happen, right? And, you know, if, if you come into a room with a whole bunch of ammo laying on the ground, you're now anticipating what's going to happen next. Right? <laughs> and uh, I was like, wow, that's, that's awesome. Like you, you start to see these, you know, these, these, you know, Tetris blocks coming together in your mind of how all this stuff kind of lines up. And then from that, the, the hope is that, okay, now that I understand it, I can better communicate with designers so that when I have an idea about a character, I'm not just saying, hey, I'm going to make it move like this and it'll be cool. I can get, I'm going to make it move like this and, and it will influence the game design, uh, you know, through this, through follow through. And then even if they don't understand what follow through is, I know how to explain what follow through is because of animating. So, um, I just want to talk a little bit 
you were talking about uh, what are the constraints for for game animators, and I would like you to give your take on what what those constraints are. Uh, yeah, I do a podcast with uh, with some other game animators, and I remember one of our first episodes, we were like, let's break down like the the principles of animation that we have to give up uh, to to designers and stuff. And you know, timing is is a big one because you're you're stuck to the the time that the game design dictates, right? So that's definitely a constraint is when they say, we want somebody that's huge to move really, really fast, but I still want them to look really, really heavy. And you're like, okay, what does, what does that mean? Like, I need to have somebody, you know, move from point A to point B in like eight frames, but I still need to convey weight, right? So that's a, that's a big constraint. Um, a lot of times staging is, is a constraint because you're giving the player the control of the camera. So you don't get to kind of author it to look good in the shot. You have to author it to look good in a full 180 degrees. And sometimes that's a pain in the butt. And uh, anticipation is a lot of times one that you have to give up because, again, like things need to be responsive. So they need to happen right away. Um, it's, it's, it's pretty amazing. I think there, there ends up being like four or five principles that you kind of have to give up when you're doing game design. And in giving them up, you almost have to understand them even better to a certain degree because you have to figure out how to fake them in yeah. another face, right? <laughs> so it's like, oh, I don't have a lot of follow-through necessarily because the player needs to be able to do something else right away. Well, how do I, how do I fake that, right? Or how do I get around that? And uh, yeah, I mean, they're, they're constraints for sure, but they're also challenges is the way I like to look at it. And it goes, okay, I'm going to figure out how to do this even without that. Like with one arm tying behind my back, I'm still going to make that look. Different type of creativity, huh? Right. Yeah, and you know, that's been kind of cool when we've added the uh, games workshops to iAnimate. It's it's given us that nice balance for both types of animation, because animation is animation, but then they're also very different though. And typically, for someone to jump into our games workshop, they'll have had to take in at least the first couple feature workshops to get a grounding in animation, so that now when they go into the games one they can take what they've learned there and either modify it or like you're saying there, kind of check some of these ones out and be real creative on how they address some of these constraints. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it takes a fine line of like, especially with like loops or something, you have to create a, a run cycle or walk cycle and you've got to find that weird balance between it has to be kind of vanilla enough that you can look at it a bunch of times without seeing like that one kind of cool little quirk that keeps happening and happening and happening. And then eventually you're just like, why is it that every time you run, you have a little snap like that just looks silly, but it looks cool when you when you animate it. But after seeing it as a loop, it's, it's a long time. So you need to make it a little bit vanilla, but not so vanilla that you're like, this is the most boring run animation I've ever seen. And then you're looking at it for like 20 plus hours because that's the main animation you see in the game. <laughs> so, you know, little things like that. You're like, oh, how do I make it really interesting, but not so interesting that it kind of over dominates and takes you out of the experience yeah now how'd you get into the games arena per se uh it was kind of a fluke so when i moved out to la my buddy was working at rhythm and hughes and he had gotten in there through uh through an apprenticeship and the plan was that i was going to do an apprenticeship as well but they ended up not having one and instead one of the guys he worked with said hey my buddy's got a you know looking for an animator at a game studio would you be interested and i said you know sure i'll check it out um i just want to animate and have a job for it, job with a uh, job doing it. And uh, I started doing it. And, you know, at first I was definitely had those growing pains like, all right, well, this will work until an apprenticeship opens up. Right. There was something about that first moment where I started playing around with the character I was animating. And I was just like, wow, this is awesome. Like, 
like it, it was this weird moment of you know when I'm animating a character, um, I'm uh, you know you kind of you start to build a relationship with it right as you're animating it in in Maya or Max or whatever, um, and then once I got to play with it in game, it was like I got to continue that relationship in a new way right. And I was like, wow, this is this is cool. And at that moment, I was like, I was like, this is it. Like this is this is awesome. Nice. I love this. <laughs> nice. Real quick, I want to come back to um, your podcast. I want to definitely plug that. Can you give us the website for that? Yeah, it's uh, reanimators.net. Reanimators.net. How many uh, podcasts have you guys gotten out? I think we're up to episode 41. Wow. Yeah, wow. well, we've been doing it We've been doing it for maybe five years. Oh, okay, okay. I was going to say, you just embarrassed us. This is our 11. Oh, yeah. No, no. Oh, you guys are already <laughs> kicking our butt. I think we were like three years in by the time we had 11. <laughs> <laughs> like, we were... It was three of us that worked together down in Texas, and uh, we started it when we were like, let's just talk about animation, and this will be cool. And uh, and after about seven episodes, we all moved away, right? So, uh, you know, one of us, uh, you know, I moved up to Wisconsin, another dude moved to Europe. Uh, one guy actually stayed in Texas. And so, you know, that's kind of uh, impeded us from from doing them as often as we like. But the the benefit has been it's, it's allowed us to, I think, pull in more guest because the way we do it is it's always the three of us and then we, we bring in a guest and sometimes it's about animation or sometimes it's you know we'll have somebody on from that does like ui design or uh you know a program or whatever and we just kind of use it as a chance to geek out and talk about whatever's interesting us at the, the time and, <laughs> and learn more about like different different avenues that we might not know about mm -hmm. so that's what we've been tr uh, trying to do as well with these podcasts is just get a nice variety of people i think just anytime you get anybody on there you're going to have a variety because people are different. It brings entertainment to it because you you don't know stuff that you don't know. And so anytime yeah. you start getting some variety in there, you're learning some new stuff here. So yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Who's been some of your uh, favorite guests that you've had on? Oh man. Um, I don't know. We've had, uh, I think my favorite episodes have been ones that have less to do about, uh, animation and more about the industry as a whole. So we've had, uh, like, uh, we've had, uh, Lee Alexander. She was, uh, she does a bunch of press stuff on Gama Sutra and Kotaku and stuff. We had her on to talk about relationship of, you know, between developers and the press. Um, we had uh, one of the guys I worked with at Raven who's at Bioware now and, and did one about like ethnicity and games. And, uh, you know, those are the ones that usually get really exciting because those are the ones I have nothing, like no real idea going into it about. Like, <laughs> it's not like I go into it like, yes, you know, I strongly agree of this. And I go into it and go, I don't know anything about it. Inform me. And then by the end of it, like I end up finding I'm really interested in this and, and kind of go down a rabbit hole of all sorts of new games and books and ideas and stuff like that. So right on. Yeah. It's, we're kind of all over the map with it, but I kind of like it that way. Yeah. There you go. Those are fun. We'll definitely put that in our show notes. Uh, so reanimators.net, check it out. Um, GDC, you want to talk to us a little bit about this boot camp that you're doing? Yeah, it is. Uh, it is. It's exciting. Uh, <laughs> you, like it's I'm, frozen there. You just stunned. Yeah. <laughs> like, like I'm how trying did, to figure out how, how to explain it. It's uh, yeah. So, well, I mean, how how did you start it up? What were the reasons to to start up the animation bootcamp? Yeah, I think it came uh, from a few different things. Um, the the first is uh, I think there's going to a bunch of these different things like GDC and and CGraph and stuff. Um, I'd always gone in really excited to talk to other uh, animators about, you know, the possibilities of, of growing game animation. And if there were many game animation talks, most of them seem to come from uh, like 
the creative directors or the studio leads talking about the performance capture stuff. Like, oh, look, we got this actor in. And it, and it felt more like a behind-the-scenes thing on a, on a Blu-ray that you would get as opposed to something that really seemed like something from the trenches of, of the actual animators, right? And, uh, you know, talking with a bunch of other animators and stuff, it, it definitely felt like, you know, why, why isn't there more talks like this? And uh, we realized, well, probably just because it's like that chicken and egg thing. If, if there were more opportunities for, for game animators, would they do it? Or is it because they're not getting active, there, there aren't these opportunities? And uh, we said, well, then let's, let's just talk to GDC and let's see if we can't create like a, a summit or something and, uh, and do it. And they were really receptive to it. So we um, submitted the idea of, okay, you know, let's, let's actually get you know, animators to come in and talk about what it is on a, on a core level, uh, very specifically about something they've done in their game. So uh, I got some people I've worked with in the past, some people that I just really respected online, whose stuff I really liked. And uh, we ended up coming up with, a, I think, a pretty awesome day-long experience with, uh, I want to say, seven talks um, that start with, we have a, a buddy of mine, Jaleel, who I went to school with, who's an animator at DreamWorks. And uh, he kind of starts in, do you know him? Yes. No, uh, Dave Hubert has mentioned that we need to get him in on here. So yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Jaleel's awesome. So you know, as I started coming up with the idea of okay, what should we have at this? You know, most of the animators I talk to, we still kind of have this love affair with well, film. Film is is like the the holy grail, right? Because again, like you don't have those constraints, you've got the better rigs, you've got the higher fidelity. Like it's it's like animation purity, right? So. Uh, I said, all right, well, we need somebody from film to start the day off because you want to get somebody that's excited. And, and I think it works really well that way because uh, let's just examine animation without any of the constraints, just at its purest. So we're going to have Jaleel come in and talk for an hour about making an audience believe. Um, and then from there, the rest of the day, we kind of add in more game stuff uh, and, and layer in how you take those principles and, and start working it up, right? So the next talk we have, is uh, a senior anime I worked with at Monolith, uh, Amy Drobeck, who had worked at Disney for like 10 years. And she'll be talking about animal and creature movement and, and personality and uh, really starting to get into that, right? So it's like, okay, did what Jaleel did. Now we've got, again, like something that's a little bit more film-based or traditional-based, but you're starting to think about with, with some of the constraints of, of, of game animation. From there, I thought it was really important that we had somebody from a mocap background to talk about an animator's an actual involvement with mocap, right? I think a lot of the times at these conferences, you see the mocap from the side of the production, like the producers saying, look, it's the silver bullet. You can get, you know, Ellen Page <laughs> to come in and act something for you. And it's great. And, and they sell it kind of as a feature, but without necessarily talking about what the benefits are for an animator to have. And I know I'd been anti-mocap for a long time until I worked at Raven and they had a really nice mocap room. And I go, oh, okay. Mocap is really boring when you just get a list of assets that you had no sort of uh, creative input on, and then you're just kind of cleaning stuff up, and, and you feel like a cog in the wheel. But once you're in there and you're getting to direct and interact with the actors and, and getting to uh, have a chance to, to take some of what you would have had your intent on blocking or conceptualizing it and, and work with them, it got really exciting for me. So we have the uh, animation director from Hitman coming in and talking about kind of mocap best practices. From there, we have uh, Jonathan Cooper, uh, one of the animation directors at Ubisoft Montreal, who is the animation director on Assassin's Creed 3. Yeah, we just actually interviewed him last week. 
Yeah. Oh, awesome. Or actually, yeah, a couple yeah, nights yeah. ago. A couple nights ago, actually. Yeah, it was like two nights ago. We we brought him on, and personally, I'm really excited about GDC, and I know a lot of animators I talk to, our students are really excited about it. So this is a great lineup. Yeah. But but continue, continue <laughs> yeah. on, Just continue on. Don't stop. You know. So he's going to be uh, talking about uh, their process from kind of from beginning to to ship of. Uh, how they kind of reworked uh, all the stuff they'd done for Connor, the assassin in Assassin's Creed three. So talking from the original concept of how they wanted to update his locomotion and combat from idea to, to completion. So the idea there is, okay, now you've seen all these different parts that kind of come together to make game animation. Here's the, the talk that shows you how to actually apply that to the actual production. After him, we've got Ryan Duffin, who I do the podcast with. He's a senior animator at, at EA. He's worked on Battlefield and, and Medal of Honor and Killzone 2. And uh, he's going to be giving a talk about uh, first-person animation and uh, kind of how to add a little extra purpose to it and, and things to think about when, okay, you've got two hands and maybe a weapon. How do you convey everything that needs to happen and, and uh, the personality of a character or the personality of a weapon or... All that, all that different types of stuff. Um, and that's one that I was really excited about because I've done a little bit of first-person stuff, but I get really excited about, okay, how do you convey more with less, right? So that, that'll be a fun one. And then the last talk of the day is going to be a combined talk with uh, myself and Ed Hooks, who wrote Acting for Animators. And we're going to be talking about how to apply acting and animation principles to game design. And uh, that'll kind of be the one where I hope, since it's like the last talk in the day, that moving forward as animators uh, take part in the rest of GDC, and there won't be a lot of animation-specific talks there, right, because it is so multidisciplinary, um, they can go, oh, okay, there isn't a specific animation talk today, but there's this interesting thing about level design. Let me go to that. And I can already start to think of how I would fit into that and how I would help to advance that conversation. So hopefully that's the, the talk that kind of says, okay, Here's all the stuff that's got you excited about animation, and now let's get you excited about game development, right? And then the, the very last part of the day is we'll have a roundtable with uh, Tim Borelli, who's the lead animator at Fifth Cell. And every year he's done a tech art roundtable at GDC, but this year he's changed it to character animation and performance roundtable. So every day at GDC then, it's open to everyone who attends. So hopefully, you know, we'll get designers and programmers and other artists and writers to uh, to talk about animation and, and character performance. You know, hopefully the idea is with the boot camp, we get all these animators super excited and kind of get us all on one page of how we want to help push forward the industry. And then the boot camp is, or the round table every day at, at GDC is a chance to hopefully help to, to spread the word and get excitement and bring in other disciplines and keep it going. Animation, animation, animation. Love it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's, it's, it's big. Like, you know, we're, we're this is kind of our shot to prove to, to GDC and I think the game industry that, you know, as animators, um, I think we can offer even more uh, than just like, here's here's your walk cycle. That's um, awesome. I, yeah, I think there's a chance for us to do a lot more and, and hopefully this is the, a good first shot at getting that ball rolling. Well, Michael, let, let me first applaud you for going forward with GDC. I think that's fantastic. I also want to say that at iAnimate, this is one of the reasons why we have the game workshop, because there is a big difference between just doing feature and then working the game. Like I've been telling to our students, or we talk often on our podcast, that I consider myself a game developer as well as an animator, because you're dealing with so many different disciplines, and you have to understand the other disciplines and how to communicate and how to achieve that goal. Um so I just, you know, I think that's fantastic. But I want to ask you, what do you think are the different skill sets 
like a game animator should learn or bring to a studio if they want to succeed in in the game field? Yeah, um, I think uh, a big one is the ability to work quick and dirty and not be afraid to block something out quickly and show it off and put it in the game and uh, and allow that that feedback to to come not just from other animators but from the designers and stuff. I think uh, that's it's one of those things that's really hard as an artist to show off your baby when it's it's you know not not ready, right? But I think with games, like you need to be willing to do that because so many other things come after you that could break it or that could change it or make it better. That um, I know for a long time I was always afraid to do that. I was like, no, wait until this animation's done and then I'll let you see it. And then you're you're wasting all this time or you're going down a road that didn't work. So I think that that's a, a hard one to kind of get used to because a lot of the stuff they need is like a walk cycle or uh, something like that. And, and those take a lot of time to do right. And uh, it's finding that balance between, okay, this conveys what they need, but doesn't look broken. So I, I think that's something to, to really kind of focus on. And I know like when I was in school, like a lot of those walk cycle tests and stuff were the things that I was least interested in because those were things that were just getting in the way from like, I want to make a fun short. Right. And, uh, the reality of it was, was like, if, if I don't understand how to do a cycle well, or the process of going through that and the iteration on it, when I do get to the short, I'm just going to kind of be left floating in the wind with, without any idea of, of how to actually execute on it. So I think those are, are things that a lot of times are, are missed. You'll see like these really cool reels with, uh, over the top action and, and acting and all this cool stuff. And then you're like, Oh, you know, let me see a, a walk cycle. And we're like, Oh, well, I have somebody walk and then run and jump. And it's like, well, that's, that's good. Like, you know, I can see you've, you've got an understanding of timing and weight, but you know, how does it, how does it work within itself? Right. And how can you convey that walk cycle that feels connected to that jump that happens somewhere else? Right. And, and starting to think of stuff uh, systemically as opposed to just like on a, a per asset or per shot basis is, is pretty valuable. Yeah, that's something that a lot of our students, we repeat to them. It's not, we're not just teaching animation, you know, making it feel right and, and look great and giving character, but also we talk about game development and game designing. Like we talked with Jonathan Cooper uh, when I was working at Ubisoft. Um, it's a very artistic, animator-friendly studio. Animators design systems as much as a designer or sometimes even often take control pretty much completely of a system like you you built it from a to z you're responsible for the feel of it the look of it and making sure it, when it, it plays right and everything and that's something that we try to teach our students about design uh do you find yourself designing a lot of the systems now where you're at or is it really more because i mean every studio is different so but we want to make sure our, our animators are ready for this but do you find yourself designing systems i think it definitely depends on every studio right like uh when I was at WB, I, I had this really, it was, it was kind of the dream scenario for me of somebody would say, hey, we've got a creature and here's the name of it. But that was all they had. So before we even had a concept artist come in, it would be me sitting down with like the combat designer and maybe the art director. And I was like, okay, like let's figure out what it would look like. And at the same time, think of the way it would move and then the way you would interact with it. And, and that was awesome because it was like, all right, let's come up with the idea. And then I'm already thinking about it on the animation level before it's before you even see a model, right? And then you get to kind of help influence that model, which was which was great. Um, and then at Zenimax, it's been really interesting because with an MMO, you've got all these different systems happening, right? Um, and uh, it's been really interesting getting to work with like content designers on quest stuff, and then people that populate the world 
and and how you know little vignettes like that might happen. So it's it's really kind of been different everywhere, depending on the game. You know, yeah, we could take like on Singularity, I was like, you get this chunk, and you get enemies, or you get you know like the the time manipulation device that was in the game. And as an animator, you're also helped you know, responsible in, in figuring out all the assets and how all that stuff works together. So. Yeah, to some degree. And I think it's up to the person who's animating it to have that excitement for it to want to get as involved with that. Because there are definitely some animators that are just like, I just want to put my headphones on. I just want to animate all day. And, uh, you know, I think you need some of those uh, as much as the ones that are like, I want to spend, you know, an equal amount of time, you know, working with designers and and figuring it out. Right. So, yeah, I definitely am a, a firm believer of the idea of you're a game developer first and then you're either an animator or a modeler or a rigger or whatever second, right? Like everything is in service to the, the game and the experience. One of the things I'm liking that I'm hearing about the uh, GDC that you're talking about is just, again, the information that's going out about animation and informing people about it. We had a talk at CTN with some of these guys here, Richard and some of the other guys here talking about the games division here that we have and talking about just animation in general, but how that plays that role in there. But I love how you're kind of layering it on. Like you said, you're starting out with someone who's more in the feature, giving them the education in animation period. And then now starting to kind of fine tune it a little bit, how it works into the games as well. And so I'm really liking that. That sounds like a lot of fun here. And when is GDC? It is March. So the, it goes from March 25th to 29th, but the boot camp is Monday, March 25th. Awesome. So the game that you're working on right now is an MMO. What's mm-hmm. been some of your bigger challenges working on an MMO? Um, I mean, it's not out yet, so obviously there's not a whole lot I can I can talk about it. But I think a lot of it was just the uh, there are constraints that are built in within any, any MMO, um, just because of the amount of players that'll be on the screen and the the uh, all the things that kind of come together and and you surrender so much of your of your design. And your character and your creations to the player, right? Because truly, they're a world where players want to be able to interact and engage on on any level. So, anytime you're removing control from them, it's it really rips them out of that experience, right? So, it's one of those things where I think the actual animation itself probably isn't as challenging because you know in previous years, you know, you'd have I'd worked on it, it was like, oh, you've got this big scripted sequence with a bunch of different characters in there all interacting, you got somebody grabbing them and throwing them and running up somebody else's face and then sliding down a troll and, you know, all those really big, crazy, over-the-top things that are fun to animate. And with this, it, it is a lot more single assets, but you're having to figure out, okay, how does how does all of this work together? And that took me a while to really wrap my head around in thinking, oh, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm animating this, but I have to think, how does it look when there's like 20 of them on the screen? And how does it look if there's 20 of them on the screen and then there's four different players doing four different things to them? Getting all of that stuff figured out and, again, kind of surrendering some of that artistic control a little bit, that need to, like, I want to know exactly how this is going to look at all times. And you kind of go, I have no idea how this is going to work or look <laughs> half the time because anything can, can change it is, uh, has definitely been an interesting challenge. Is that kind of fun trying to anticipate a lot of that, though? Yeah, yeah, and I, and I think where where it's fun too is because you have all those different systems. Where before I think the the challenges and the creativity and and the uh, ability for to kind of change and adapt uh, in what in kind of what you're working on uh, in other games was like oh now I've got this new way of taking down this big boss creature. With this one, even if the animation isn't as complex, um, 
I get to go for, oh, you know, for a while I'll work on some monsters. And then, oh, for a while I'm going to work on some some uh, postures and emotes and stuff and, and how that works within the world. And then, oh, now I'm going to work on some some player stuff. And so I think, uh, you know, the what kind of keeps it the spice of life going is the fact that you, you do get to kind of work on these all these different little, you know, things um, and kind of get your fingers in a bunch of different pots. Yeah, because that's what I was actually going to ask you. What are some of your favorite things about the games industry in regards to animation? That kind of sounds like that being part of, part of it is that you get a variety of different types of animation uh, creatures, big boss, whatever it might be, right? Yeah, yeah, and and you know, depending on the property too, you can go from like you know, with Singularity or even Elder Scrolls, like you can go from something that's weird and fantastic and kind of magical, and then you've got something that's you know, a little bit more mechanical, right? And you're going, oh, okay, you know, you get to kind of really try a variety of, of different monsters and ideas and, and things like that, which which is always kind of exciting. What are some of your favorite kind of games to play? Oh, man, it changes all the time. Um, <laughs> for, for, you know, for a long time, I was the, I just want, like, give me the story, and, and I just want to play through that. And then, uh, and then I think I played so many of those, I kind of got fatigued from that, so... You know, lately it's been it's been a lot more of the uh, I think kind of like the smaller indie games have really excited me a lot like this last year, um, like Mark of the Ninja, uh, Spelunky, Papo and Yo. Like these are games where I really felt like the art and the design really understood each other, and uh, you could see the heart in that in those games. Um, so those excite me, but like without a doubt, the game that got me most interested in game animation and the one that I still champion till the day I die is a uh, mark of Cree. I remember getting that game in college and like even the instruction booklet had like a flip book in the corner of it of, of the main character, like sneaking up behind a guy and like bashing him on the head with a sword. <laughs> and even I'm just like flipping through the, the instruction booklet. Like when I couldn't be playing the game, I'm just like, Oh, this is, this is Oh, this is great. This is gorgeous. <laughs> and uh, like the, the animation of that game, like you could see that every step of that, there was an animator going, no, I want to do it this way. And they really got to influence the design of it, right? So, you know, every time you switch your weapon, you put the one weapon away and then you grab the other one out of the backpack in the very specific location, you pull it out and it looks gorgeous. And then there are moments in the fight where you're like, oh, this is so frustrating because why am I having to put this away and pull it out? But it's so cool looking that you're like, I don't care. It's just like the weight <laughs> of it is great. And, like that game I still geek out over with, without a doubt. If there would have been more time at the boot camp, I would have been like, we need to do a Mark Cree retrospective because I just want to listen to them talk for like a day straight. Oh, yeah. Anytime a company would have put a flip book in their packet there, you know they're art-driven and animation. Yeah. yeah, they weren't messing around. That game, I love it. So PS2, if you can find it, play it because you'll just go nuts for it. <laughs> um, working with mocap, we've talked a little bit about this in some of our past podcasts. Can you talk about how you work with it, how you've adjusted with it, what you like, what you don't like. Yeah. Um, so my first uh, approach to using it was like the worst case scenario because uh, we had outsourced the direction of the mocap and we had an outsourced studio that was doing the initial cleanup, but then we had to integrate it. So we didn't have the pipeline for it at all. And it was just a nightmare. And if we needed to fix something, like we didn't have the tools or the know how to do it. So it was like, the worst parts of what you think of mocap is of just like, hi, I'm just here like cleaning up some fingers and making sure the elbows don't pop. Um, it, it sucked. Uh, and, uh, where, like I was saying earlier, where I got excited was when I started to understand and had that aha moment of mocap of, you know what? Like every time I sit down and I, I take video reference for how I want to animate a shot, 
right? Um, after I get all that reference, I kind of have to look through and go, okay, I want to want to take maybe a little bit of that, or I like that piece, or uh, let me try this. And you spend the time blocking it out, and you go, oh, this kind of works, or no, let me change it a little bit. Um, with mocap, I was getting to film all that reference, and then very quickly implement it in game and see which one of those things worked, right? And go, ah, oh, okay, that's that's great. Like this is this is working, and this thing that I originally thought was going to work doesn't work, and and uh, I think it very quickly gets you from like zero to like fifty to maybe even sometimes sixty percent, like almost instantly. And so I got really excited about that. And then adding on top of it was, I think any time that you have a few people in a room that are really dedicated to close to a unique, like a singular vision, right? You see that like your brains start to meld together and come up with things that you wouldn't have come up with on your own. And when I was in a mocap studio with an actor or a couple actors and I'm like, okay, this is the scene and this is what we're thinking. And uh, I go, this is what I was thinking. They go, okay, sweet. Let me, uh, let me add to that. And then they, they add something into the performance and you go, Oh, that's awesome. I, I really like that bit. Let's, let's do that. But now also do this. And uh, man, I just felt like in love with it. Like I, it was, it was, it was so much fun to, you know, sit there and essentially, get to run around and, and it's play like and it, <laughs> it, it really is it's, it's it's play and uh i think there's something magical between like when you're playing in the mocap space and it's for a game in which people are going to be playing in um i think it's i think there's a magical moment there so you're kind of treating it as shooting reference to a degree um yeah i i you know i, I think it depends on the game um but for me, a lot of it is like shooting reference and then hopefully you have the tools that allow you to quickly and easily adjust and amp up the timing and adjust the timing and amp up the poses. And, uh, you know, I, I remember going into it thinking like, oh, I'll just take a couple poses from it and then throw out all the rest. But, I mean, there's still like these really interesting little moments of humanity that, that happen in between there that if you just say, I'm going to throw it out, you lose some of that. So the best places I've worked, like Monolith had some really great proprietary tools that allowed you to very quickly like make something snappier or extend it a little bit to make it a little bit slower or, you know, very quickly uh, control it to push the pose. And, and once I started thinking of it that way, it's, it's kind of like clay, right? Where, you know, in the mocap room, you're, you're taking the block and you're quickly roughing it into something. And then once I get it back to my desk, now I'm getting to kind of go in with those potter's tools and really kind of craft out the bits that I really like and kind of smooth away the parts that I don't as opposed to looking at it and bringing back this kind of somewhat formed piece of clay and then just going I like the head I don't like the body just nuke all the body you know it, it starts to feel kind of disjointed then right yeah uh, one thing I think which is which is fun if if the animator gets a chance you know often it you know the direct the animation director or the lead animator will be on site but when you're able to bring in your team and they get to shoot their system they're working on or be responsible for that system and when they're shooting it they're they're shooting it as like they're shooting reference but they're knowing that the the creative input they're putting into that reference that they're going to be using is through their input so Definitely. if you get a if you know sometimes if it's something really simple and and it doesn't require uh, you know this over the top or amazing acting or being acrobatic you could put on the suit like i've, I've been in the suit a few times i know a lot of other directors have been into the suits just to kind of this you know rough out their ideas so they put the suit on shoot the mocap and thinking it as reference just to kind of figure things out you know and then picking that best performance or the the performance they think is going to help build and mold that game. Do you 
often have your animators or do you do you invite your animators to come shoot or plan their own reference? I mean, their yeah, own vocab shoot? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, anytime that you can get whoever is going to be cleaning up the data involved in the actual capturing of it, I think that animator is always going to be way more invested, right? And I, and I think that's usually why, like as animators, like we want to be invested in the characters that, that we're animating. And uh, whether that is suiting up um, or in my case, like I'd much rather direct somebody because they're probably more physically trained to do that stuff. Like I know when I act something out and it's supposed to be like this cool, awesome acting thing in my head, I'm like, oh, this looks great. And then I look at the video and I'm like, no, I look like the Star Wars kid. Uh, <laughs> when, but what's cool about mocap is I get to go in with this idea and then somebody that can actually look, you know, like, like Ray Park, as opposed to, you know, me, uh, is, is awesome. Right. So, uh, you know, where I've, where I've, you know, actually suited up has been like, oh, hey, here's this old decrepit mage. Okay, I can play old and decrepit. Uh, <laughs> or like, here's a big lumbering troll. Okay, I can look like a guy who, you know, can't keep balance. Um, so in, in those cases, then I think it actually was a benefit because uh, like at, at Monolith, the mocap actors we had were so well trained in all these different forms of martial arts that anytime you're like, I want somebody that's big and heavy and a little clumsy, like their bodies just can't do that, right? Like they're so like they're honed, like they're a musical instrument, right? That they're trained to do that. I was like, here, let me put on the suit, and uh, I'll you know sit around and scream and be loud and you know throw <laughs> throw things and and I get paid for it. <laughs> yeah, like my biggest thing every time I go into a mocap studio is uh, trying to get them to stop thinking about their fact they're in a mocap studio. So the first thing is like always be vocal. Like if you've got that suit on, if you're running like and you're supposed to be angry, like be screaming while you're running. Like, yeah, even if you're not picking up the, the voice, you can, you can, a scream does things, it inflates your chest. You know what I mean? And, and it carries through the way you're moving your body. Um, that if somebody's just silent and running, it's, it's, it's not going to be there. Right. So like with the case of the, like the reaver on singularity, they were supposed to be blind. So anytime I had a mocap actor doing that, I'd either blindfold them or tell them to keep their eyes closed. And I would purposely put little like little you know foam blocks in the in the space so that they would kind of trip and stumble a little bit to add some of that that little happy accidents into what they were doing right and uh, you know anytime you can kind of add that and I think that's a lot of the stuff that's missed in mocap because so many of the really creative animators they're like I just I just really care about the craft of animation are so against mocap because of the way it's been sold as like the silver bullet to remove animators that a lot of the times in the studio, you, you don't, it, it becomes a little clinical, right? And you don't kind of get that zany animator stuff that, that you kind of want to happen. So I think that's one of those talks I'm excited about at GDC is anytime you bring up mocap to somebody that's never done it or had a bad experience, they go, Oh, this is terrible. I hate it. It's, it's not art. And you go, well, it, it can be like, there's still the ability for you to, inject some in some some real intent into it so well the art is the art is directing as animators and i i i know we i talked about this often that animators can be actors but they also can be directors they're they're directing their performance if regardless if it's keyframe or mocap why they're posing out the character they're directing the character to do something they're wanting the character to be of live of course and be believable and, and connecting with with the audience or with the player but you're not just an actor but you're also a director and being the director of your shot is 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 as much fun as being the actor of the shot and i think with mocap you get to focus on you get to focus a little bit more on the directing 
mm-hmm. part and, and and bringing out that essence uh from the actor who's in, in who's in the in the mocap suit so yes totally i wanted to know what you think uh the future has i mean what you what kind of technology you think is going to really push animation to improve or what i'm thinking is like you know, procedural stuff, subskeletal animation stuff. Like, what do you think the future has or is going to bring for animation and, and for games? I think that's a lot of it, right? Like, you, you look the way it's it's been going because the the answer to a lot of the stuff that games are trying to do is by throwing more content at it. The mm-hmm. reality of it is you need new ways of allowing things to kind of layer together, right? So it is layering. It is the procedural stuff. It is it is like the, the full body type procedural stuff and uh, that it gets kind of scary right because you know you start talking about like all this procedural animation and and that's kind of like the next step of mocap where people go whoa like the computer is totally in it like you don't even have a human acting this stuff out it's like the computer is is taking control and that's where i, I really think the idea of, of looking at this the whole systems comes together um in, in my mind as the animator's role isn't just I'm going to animate this, this cool punch. It's like, I need to animate this cool punch and think of, you know, the, the, the emotions that we're laying in or the contextual parts of the world. Like they might be leaning up against something or they might be, you know, scared of something or shying away or running away. Like how all these things kind of layer together. I think that's, that's definitely where it's going to have to go because at a certain point, like you can only plan on, on so many specific animations. And I think the games that are really starting to excite people the most are the ones that you can't really plan on like you know the the skyrims and the minecrafts and and those happy accidents that just kind of show up and uh you know a lot of that's going to come from how all these these bits and pieces probably work together but it's kind of weird like i I haven't done a whole lot of those because especially now moving into like with mmos a lot of that tech isn't even there so I'm kind of on the outside going, okay, what, what are you guys going to do? Like, where's, <laughs> you know, a lot of these things are these highly scripted games are the ones that are kind of pioneering that stuff. And I think with the, as the technology increases, it's going to be, okay, let's take those things that we're only capable of before when we had these more linear experiences and open them up into these, these bigger play spaces. How do you think that affects the animator's job then? You spoke about some of that, but can you elaborate a little bit more for someone you know, like myself who doesn't have quite that gaming background? Yeah, I think uh, what would excite me the most, and I think, you know, I I think you would definitely get those two those two divides of well, then we're just going to have people that are responsible for crafting these things, and then it's really easy then I think to just feel like that cog in that wheel and just start crafting it, or then getting even more involved in the conceptual side of it up front so that. It isn't just, okay, I'm in charge of this character, and up to this point in games, that's meant, okay, I do its walk, I do its run, I do its attacks, I do its jumps. But I think now it's going to be like, okay, I'm in charge of this character, and I need to make sure that this performance works within all these different things of layers that are that are going in, right? And it, it does start to become like I'm the director of, of this character, right? And and as the, the animator, I'm directing all these little moments, and then the game is kind of choosing like an actor would, how they want to hit their mark, how they want to kind of say their line or use what sort of inflection, right? So I, I definitely think that's that's one way. And then I think just because of the reality of, of games, like like it's broadened, right? So with, with iPad games and social games and things like that, you know, I, I think it isn't going to be like it's just this one way. A lot of the stuff we're doing this generation will probably be picked up by like iPad games, right? So you'll still have those those smaller creations that allow you to just focus on, on the pure animation craft. 
where you'll have those bigger games to allow you to kind of focus on directing the entire character, right? Right. It's kind of like what you're going back to when you said you're really into a lot of indie games right now. Right. And that's still, that's a very big market for a lot of animators because they still need the animators for that kind of stuff. Totally. Mm-hmm. I'm just kind of curious, like, to see what people think of, of, you know, games and where it's going. Do you think the, how can I say this? How far away do you think game animation will be to film animation, like in, in terms of performance and fidelity, making characters feel like they're really uh, giving all this emotion, you're really part of a story, or it's really telling the story? Does that make sense? Do you know what I mean? Like, how yeah, yeah, far yeah, yeah. are we from? I, I'm like, I think already if you look at something like, um, I think what was limiting us for so long was the fact that we didn't have the controls to do that as an animator. Up until this generation, half the time, you didn't have facial controls, right? It was just like a face painted on a polygon. And, uh, <laughs> you know, if, if you were lucky, you had like the mitts to animate with the fingers, right? <laughs> so right, right. I think because of the constraints of the technology, it kind of kept a lot of the, uh, the people that were probably interested in driving the, the craft of it um, into, in, in going into film, right? Because that's, that's where you could actually do it. So I think with this latest generation of consoles actually allowing some of that stuff to, to exist. A lot of the limitation didn't necessarily come as much from the actual rig as just the, the time to, that it takes to craft those, right? Um, because, yeah, I've got all these controls, but they still want games to come out at the same clip that they used to, you know, on, <laughs> on previous generations. I was like, guess what? You got a lot of face controls, but you don't get to animate those until like the last two months of the game. And you're like, oh, son of a... <laughs> to... What? Um... So I don't necessarily see time getting any better with the next consoles, but I definitely think because the tools uh, will, will entirely exist and the visual fidelity will be there, I think the expectations of what's capable is, is going to push people into doing it more. I guess my short answer is, is like, I think we're already starting to get there. And I think uh, if we want to get it further, it's less reliant on the technology and it's 100% reliant on us as animators saying this is important and we can't let it slide. And we can't just say, you know, well, our hands were tied because the design kept changing or, uh, you know, I, I didn't have any chance because it was too fast of an action. Like we just kind of need to stop using that as an excuse, even if they are valid excuses yeah. and, uh, and just step up to the plate and, and, and do it. And I think, you know, games are, are getting there and, a lot of leveraging the fact that we just don't have the time to do it is thinking about, well, the experience as a whole. And, you know, like this year, like was the first time a game actually made me like well up a little bit emotionally. Like I got done playing Papa and yo, I don't know if you guys have had, had a chance to play that, mm-hmm. but, uh, it's, it's this game about this, this boy who, uh, who has a monster and whenever the monster, uh, they're like best friends, but whenever the monster, uh, eats these frogs, it, it turns abusive. Right. And uh, it's, it's, it's a straight metaphor for the guy who was the creative director on it of his uh, father was an alcoholic growing up and, and that relationship. And by the end of it, I was like emotionally like drained. I was like, wow, like I had tears in my eyes. And I was like, this is, this is amazing. Like this game made me, made me tear up. And uh, I was like, yeah, the, you know, the, the animation's rough in places, but there was still that, that emotional connection. And uh, I, I think more animation could have done it maybe would have made me even, you know, attached to it more. But I, uh, I think the ability to make emotive, uh, games that make you care about the characters is already there. So for it to not look better is really just on us. And it seems like the, 
when somebody actually is willing to do that, then it kind of sets that standard where the player slash audience is, is less forgiving if a game doesn't do that. Exactly. So they kind of start getting used to that kind of stuff. You start seeing certain things that were acceptable maybe years ago that if they're still doing it now and you see it in other games where they aren't doing it, the audience is kind of going, what's what's going on here, you know? Yeah, you, you get dinged for it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's just that kind of that slowly but surely kind of pushing what as animators you want to be able to, to be able to do and someone willing to actually allow the to be able to do it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Anything else you want to plug here or talk about why we got you? What GDC panel are you looking – lecture are you looking forward to the most or – um, uh, yeah, I think so. The the creative director on Pop Onyo is going to be doing a talk, so I'm, okay. I'm definitely excited about that one. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, I I've I've started to look at the main conference talks, and uh, like I'm interested in the I thought the writing for Borderlands Two had had some genuinely funny moments, and games are really hard at being funny. I think like I think they're really good at when they glitch being funny, but actually writing them to be funny, I think is <laughs> is hard. And uh, they, I think they did a good job with that one. So I'm, I'm interested in hearing that one. And there's, there's usually ones these, uh, they're called micro talks, and they're like, you get like, I think it's like two minutes or ten minutes to, to do a talk, and they're just, it's like a bunch of ideas just thrown at you like a shotgun. <laughs> and uh, those, are, and then usually it's the talks I don't even expect that all of a sudden come out of nowhere and like, get you so excited. And like, being to all these different conferences, GDC is the one that I always come back the most creatively excited because you see all these different people. In different disciplines all with like the same idea of let's let's make games better and this is how i did it or these are the ideas i think of how we can do it and you get out of it and you're just like i just want to create like whatever whatever it is you do you animate you design you model you draw you come out you're just like i just need to create something right now or else i'm gonna go crazy <laughs> give me your so, computer <laughs> yeah that's a, that's definitely the thing i'm most excited about now, Rick had mentioned that the animation at GDC, with these talks and stuff like that, it's kind of more new for this portion of it, right? Yeah, yeah. This is the first year um, for the for the boot camp. So awesome. So it's like the all right, let's let's prove that that animators want more of a say in in game development. Right. Sweet. Very cool. Like Rick had mentioned, we really do appreciate you want to kind of pioneer that a little bit here, and again, just kind of expand what we as animators want to do. So. Yeah, well, I'm excited to talk to you guys because, I, I mean, when I saw, you know, anime taking on and, and wanting to do game-focused stuff, I was like, oh, this is this is, this is is great, right? Because you get all these different reels from these places, and you're like, oh, yeah, the animation is great, but we're in the middle of production, and I don't know if they can they can jump right into it. And uh, giving people this taste of, like, okay, they, they understand what our, exp- what our needs are going to be, and uh, they know what to expect and stuff is, is just great. I'm like, that's that's fantastic. You guys are geniuses. <laughs> <laughs> bravo, bravo to you guys. That's why, like, you guys were some of the first ones I want to talk. I was like, I need to talk to these guys because, awesome. like, I can see that that singular vision. Like, they're driving to the same thing I want to drive towards, and, and that's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. It's been, it's been the case for both the feature and the games as it's actually been coming more of a training ground, but also a mini studio or internship. A lot of our students are just getting that that grounding. So when they do hit the ground running at a studio, they are ready, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Let me, let me, maybe uh, you haven't heard, but um, we're, we're currently making a test level for our students where they're going to be creating animations and integrating it into unity. So they're going to get some, some really exciting things to do. That's very cool. Yeah. Seeing it, seeing it in game is always that, that moment of, Oh, it looks great. And I animated it. It looks awesome. in in, in, in the software, and then you export it. You're like, 
Wait, that doesn't look the same. That can't even be the same thing. I, I swear that's not what I just animated. Yeah. Where's my animation? Yeah. I, I, did that export, like, make it worse or something? Why is that? <laughs> yeah. So that's awesome. Like, good on you guys. Well, Michael, we do really appreciate your time and uh, looking forward to GDC. I know Rick's going to be up there and uh, maybe we'll get you on shortly after and hear how it went. Yeah, that'll, that'd be awesome. Very cool. All right, yeah, thanks, thanks a lot, guys. All right, take care.